0: what will heaven be like? Do you think about heaven very much? Should we think about heaven very much? What has God actually revealed about heaven in His Word? Is the concept of heaven even relevant in today's culture? Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. Thanks for joining me today for this several-part series on what the Bible says about heaven. This series is taken from an adult Sunday school class I recently taught where I looked at seven myths about heaven. These seven myths are as follows, number one, heaven will be boring, will be spirits floating on clouds all day. Second myth about heaven, if you're good enough, you'll become an angel when you die. Third myth, if you think about heaven too much, you'll be of no earthly good. Number four, the current heavens and earth will be totally destroyed, never to be rebuilt. Number five, heaven is the believer's final home. The sixth myth about heaven is that heaven will be the same for everyone. And number seven, we cannot know with certainty where we will go when we die. I hope you'll be able to join me for all of these uh, sessions on the topic of heaven. A number of years ago when we lived in a different town, I was involved in a uh, small um, group, small singing group, and I was in a quartet that enjoyed singing uh, Southern gospel songs. Two of the songs I remember that we sang were I'll Fly Away and I've Got Heaven on My Mind. I've got heaven on my mind goes uh, like this. I've got made up my own mind. I can't stand around wasting my time. I'm going to keep on working for Jesus every day of my life because I've got heaven on my mind. I've got heaven. I've got heaven. I've got heaven on my mind. And of course, the more familiar song, I'll fly away. Uh, one of the verses says, some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial store. Shore, I'll fly away. So how important is it to think about heaven, to talk about heaven? A number of years ago, I was meeting with a young man who was going through some difficulties, and I was trying to help him grow spiritually. We were talking about uh, our life here and now and the importance of living it for Jesus, as well as the idea of uh, going to heaven when we die. However, his concept was that it's not really important to even think about heaven. The important thing is to live our lives now the best we can, and basically God will take care of the afterlife when we get there. So it's not something that we should even be thinking about. And I'm wondering if that isn't a common view of many people, that it's just not really important to think about heaven. The important thing is what can we do right now um, to make the world a better place? And there's certainly an argument to be made for that as well. You know, in Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, the Lord says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. He says the secret things belong to the Lord. There's not a terrible large amount of information that the Bible gives us about heaven, but it's not silent about it either. And that's what we're going to look at in these um, sessions on seven myths about heaven. Remember, as we begin, that our confidence is that if we are absent from the body, we are present with the Lord. Second Corinthians 5, 6 through 8 says, So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Verse 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, whether to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. I remember the movie, uh, The Apostle, I think Apostle Paul, or maybe it was just called The Apostle, several years ago. Um, uh, I think it was Paul that was encouraging the people as they were going to their martyrdom that it would just be a moment of discomfort, and then they would wake up in heaven. And I've thought about that many times, that as we move from this life to the next, um, it'll just be a moment. When we're absent from the body, will be immediately present with the Lord if we know Him as our Savior. So let's look at some of these. We're going to look at the first myth today, that heaven will be boring. We'll just be spirits floating on the clouds all day. Is that true or is that a myth? Sometimes we don't paint a very uh, specific picture of heaven in our minds. And uh, for that reason, there may be even some reluctance to uh, be excited about going there. But uh, God's Word in Philippians 1 verse 23 says, For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Heaven will be far better than here on earth. And that's quite a thought if you you ponder that a little bit. Uh, The most beautiful day here, the most uh, wonderful experience we can have here on earth will pale in comparison to what our life will be like in the world to come. Heaven is far better than here. In God's presence is fullness of joy. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Well, in God's presence is fullness of joy. That which we are seeking uh, so much here on earth. We seek to fill our void of joy by um, relationships, by material things, and so on. But in God's presence is fullness of joy. First Corinthians 13.12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just, I am, just as I am also known." 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So in God's presence is fullness of joy. Pleasures forevermore are at His right hand. Right now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Right now we know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And Paul says that our light affliction, which is but for a moment, just a moment. We think about um, our difficult times here on earth when we suffer physically, emotionally, uh, even spiritually. Um, We think about those times, but we remember that those are just a moment. Paul calls calls it our light affliction. But that light affliction, which is for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Well, we know that we'll have new glorified bodies like Jesus' body after the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 53 or 54 says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, my friend, think about that. Someday death will be swallowed up in victory. That final enemy will be done away with. Death will be swallowed up in victory someday. Praise the Lord. Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. So we know that these bodies are wearing out. Many are racked with constant pain, Many are suffering from difficulty with vision, with hearing, even with thought processing, or with joints that are hurting and and make it difficult to get around. These bodies are fading away, but the Lord has promised new glorified bodies to those who believe in Him for eternal life. We can look forward to that. Next, we will have meaningful work to do. We know that God is a worker and will be like him when he appears. John five seventeen says, But Jesus answered them, My Father has been working until now, and I have been working. And first John three, verse two, reminds us, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We will have glorified bodies, we will have meaningful work to do. We won't be bodiless spirits floating around on clouds all day. So in summary to this section, I just remind you that the best pictures have yet to be painted. The best architecture has yet to be created. The best buildings have yet to be built. The best bridges have yet to be constructed. The best plays and books have yet to be written. The best music has yet to be composed, played, or sung. The best relationships even are yet to occur. All of our relationships are broken here, aren't they? We hide from each other. We are afraid to reveal ourselves. But someday sin will be totally absent. So that's why I say the best relationships are yet to occur. Indeed, the best is yet to come. You know, those who endure will be serving and glorifying Christ by reigning with him. Second Timothy 2:12, or 2 Timothy 2:11 through13 says, "This is a faithful saying. And again, remember that Paul is speaking to Christians in this passage. This is a faithful saying, "For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself that tells me that as believers, it's possible that we will not endure to the end. At some point, we may unfortunately turn our back with the Lord or become lukewarm to His desires and what He wants us to do. He promises that for those Christians who endure, what does it say in Second Timothy 2, verse 12? If we endure, we shall also reign with Him. Boy, I think uh, to me... Um, the idea of reigning with Christ really brings to mind how can we best serve him in the world to come. Uh, You know, some people may um, be serving him by uh, cooking meals. Some people may serve him, I'm talking about in the future. Some people may serve him by singing. Some people may serve him by teaching. Some people may serve him by reigning with him. Uh, Whatever that means, we know that if we are faithful to the end, that we will reign with him. And that motivates me to want to be faithful to him. He cannot deny himself. uh, If we do not endure, we will still be in heaven. However, only faithful believers who endure to the end will reign with him. The Transfiguration story uh, has a lot to teach us. when uh, Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration uh, with his disciples in Luke 9, through 33 uh, this tells us a little bit of a glimpse on what it might be like in the world to come. First of all, we learn that there will be interaction and talking, and we will recognize people. We'll recognize people in heaven we have never met before, like Moses and Elijah. And there is apparently some awareness of what is happening on the earth below, because um, in Luke fifteen seven, it says, I say to you li- that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Somehow in heaven, there is some awareness of what goes on on earth. So I would just encourage you with that. That is the first uh, myth that hopefully we've dispelled that heaven will be boring. Instead, heaven will be far better than it is here. In God's presence is fullness of joy. We will have new glorified bodies that will never wear out. No more shortness of breath, no more chest pain, no more cancer, no more illness, no more tears. Next, we know that we will have meaningful work to do because because God is a worker and we will be like him. We will be able to reign with him if we are faithful to the end here on earth. Um, and finally, there will be interaction and relationships and with people that... Uh, we have known on earth and people that we haven't known on earth. So instead of the myth that it will be boring in heaven, I would like to leave you with the truth, number one, that it will be far better than here. We will have full, meaningful work to do to glorify Christ. As believers, we have a fantastic future ahead of us. This is true, however, only for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life. John 3.16 reminds us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 6.47 says that whoever believes in me, Jesus says, has eternal life. The moment we believe in Jesus for his promise that he has given eternal life to those who simply believe in him for that, we have that eternal life. So these promises about the world to come, about heaven and so on, these are for people who have placed their faith in Jesus, who believe in him for eternal life and have that assurance. Well, join me next time as we look at our second myth, that if you're good enough, you'll become an angel. That is also a myth about heaven. We'll look at some other myths next time as well. Thanks for joining me today, and I I pray that these uh, sessions will be meaningful and helpful to you uh, in your walk with the Lord. I'll see you next time on Making Disciples Naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the Navigators, nor of the Kansas community's ministry. Thank you for listening.